straight, straight from South Africa. South Africa. This is the strange and mysterious world with your hosts, Lee Straightman, William Collinson. Collinson. And welcome to Strange and Mysterious World Season 1, Episode 11. And Happy New Year to everybody. This is going to be a fantastic year, 2024. William, uh, I, I, I feel in my bones, but I feel this, it's going to be a really, really good one this year. What do you think? Yeah, geez, I hope so, man. I hope um, all the prophecies and things we've been seeing on the internet about this year are true. You know, the ascension <laughs> to the fifth, the 5D. So yeah, well, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Well, apparently, it's supposed to be alien. Apparently, it's supposed to be alien. Um, yeah. Uh, alien what's it? The disclosure. Contacts and all, yeah, all that kind of stuff happening this year. So hopefully. Let's hope it happens this year. <laughs> apparently, we ascended into the fifth dimension already. Well, I don't know. Well, I, I've got a guy that uh, actually knows a lot about that stuff. Well, never mind, because I'm, I'm doing a documentary now. So I'm not going to give too much away, because um, but uh, I'm going to be interviewing him. And okay. uh, he's, he was talking to me a lot about the that kind of stuff so it's cool to have him on all right job must definitely bring him on um and you apparently you were telling me with our uh, monroe institute uh, course that we're currently doing the obe course the out-of-body experience apparently you experienced something quite lacquer yes. last week yes so just for our listeners that don't know that a few episodes back we did a thing on out-of-body experiences and me and lee have got the gateway experience and we've been doing that um we'll try and do it every night i mean sometimes i just don't get to it but so um, I did have an interesting experience like uh, I explained on a few episodes ago, but just recently I had a really profound experience. I think it was on, um, if I can remember, we had a chat on Wednesday. So yeah, so I'm just this last think, Wednesday, this last Wednesday. Because I, I remember I did a lot of surfing. So, and usually like, like I was really tired. I like when I went to bed, I'm just trying to think of all the things that could have like helped it, you know? So I, I did like a lot of surfing. I probably surfed for like four hours or something, like two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. So I was really tired when I went to bed. And what I did differently this time was that listening to this, this the, the, the the disc while going to bed, I, I just, where there's, cause there's a lot of times where he's not talking and it's just the, the, the binaural beats, that white noise going off. And he's not, there's no like it's just description of what to do or whatever. And uh, so I'm just lying there, and, and and usually this is where I fall asleep during the, the disc. So I thought I'm just going to practice like an, an out of body technique that I've learned from you know all of the other literature. And anybody wants to know what techniques we're talking about, go to the, the previous episode of out of body experiences. So I just thought, oh, let me just practice one of these ones. So I did the visual one where you, you visualize objects uh, around a room. And um, so I was lying there and I was visualizing and visualizing and nothing happened. I went to, I fell asleep. And then, um, and then I woke up at four in the morning or three, I don't know if it was four or three, but, and then, so then I, or usually when I wake up at that time, I do like some breath work and I meditate and then I, I go back to bed because otherwise I just stay awake. So I did all of that. And this time when I went back to bed, I, I just vis- did the visualization, the out of body technique of the visualization one, but I fell asleep. But then, I, I I woke up um in the middle of the night. Well, not wake up. I like I, I I I came out of my body, and but the thing is that it, it it doesn't like same with the last experience. Like when they describe the literature, it's like realer than real. They explain it like it's so profound that it like it changes your life forever. So like I don't think I'm having a proper full out of body experience. I think it's just more of a lucid dreaming. But 
I'm excited because it's um it's like something, you know. So mm. like I just I kept on coming out of my well coming out of my body like I, I would I would feel like I would suddenly lift up out but then I would be in like I wouldn't be in the room such where I'm sleeping and looking. I'll be like in a completely different environment with like different people. And uh, I mean, the one I remember I came out and there was these two girls in this kitchen and I was like sitting there talking to them. And I kept on saying like, write down, write down that I was here, write down I was here because I'm going to disappear, write down that I was here. And then they, they, and I was having this argument and, but I mean, it was very real. I mean, like I could, I could feel the table when I touched it and I could like see them and we, you know, it was very real. And I kept on saying, you got to write this down because I'm going to disappear right now. And they wouldn't write anything down. And I said, bye-bye. And then I went, <laughs> but then every time, I mean, it would carry, carry on going. I would be in different situations with different people. And like, I would also be able to touch things and like feel it with my hands in that. Like I'd feel the sensation in my hands. And then I'd, I'd come back into the room. But every time I came back into my uh, room that I was staying in, because I was actually house sitting in my friend's house, I, I kept on looking at this window because there was all this light coming through, and I would never know where I was. And I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? Am I in another out of body thing or am I back normal to normal? And then I would slowly start thinking, okay, now I'm back in the room. And then I would try and fall asleep again. And then it would just happen again. I'll just get this floating sensation on my body. And then I'll just be in another like place talking to other people or wherever. And, and, and it kept on, uh, kept on going. But then when I started coming out and like realizing, okay, I'm out again. But this time I wasn't getting that, par- that extreme terrifying. Remember I kept on saying every time it was happening in the last time I'd get this absolute terror. And then I couldn't see anything. I couldn't move or whatever. But this time, like I, I kept on going into all of these different places and then coming back and then realize, not realizing if I was in the room or not. And then, yes, and then, and then when I went out, I, I actually, I actually remembered like I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out now. Let, let me, let me fly. And then I would actually start flying. And and I, and the sensation that I was getting was so amazing. It was like you know when you're in a roller coaster and you get those butterflies in your stomach and everything. So it was very real. I was like flying, but I wasn't flying anywhere I knew. I was like, I was just flying over like this, this ocean and, and I could see all of the the patterns of the, the sand under the water and like the green, like vegetation under the water, whatever. And it was so exciting. And then I'd, I, I was like, then I'd try and dive into the water. I would, go, I would just go straight down. And then, but it was really like I was on a roller coaster. I'd get all the air blowing on me and I'd, feel the extreme like uh, you know like butterflies in my stomach and then as i hit the water i'd wake i would wake up and then i kept on doing this i'd come out again and i'd be in like a room or something and then i'd just be like okay i'm gonna fly and then i'd run and i'd dive through the wall and i could feel the sensation of the wall going through me and then i'd be out flying but then the one time i tried and i i ran and i jumped and i got stuck right in the wall like my forehead went into the wall and it hit something and i got stuck there and I could feel it on my forehead, it looks like a bar or something. And I got stuck there and then I'd wake up. And um, I mean, it was very exciting. I was so excited. But the thing is, it wasn't, it wasn't as real as real. Like just say my consciousness is at a 10 and like my dreams yeah. are like maybe at a three. Cause like a lot of the time yeah. when I wake up, I can't even remember. This was maybe yeah. at like a six or like a seven, maybe like, a, okay. like realness. <laughs> so it was like a very, very like real dream. It wasn't okay. like a, and also, like I would, like I remember the one time I came out and I thought I was in the bedroom, and I turned around to like look to see if I was sleeping or whatever. And then like there was just someone sitting on the bed, and then I would like look around and I wasn't actually in my room. I was like in some completely different environment. And then I'd like wake up, and then also then I, the one time I came out and I was just floating, and it was the most amazing sensation of floating. But I wasn't like I couldn't see anything or anything. It was just dark, but I was just floating, and it was 
this most beautiful sensation it was like like i don't know if it was it was definitely not like i was in water it was like an, i don't know how to explain it, like an air like i was just air like just floating but i was in a form but uh, i couldn't really recognize my form but i was like something just floating and i was just and it was beautiful and i was just like enjoying this floating sensation and then after this happened for so much during the night, I actually started getting worried. I was like, oh my gosh, if this just carries on happening, I'm never going to sleep properly. Because I just kept on going and coming back and waking up and going and waking up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I've got things to do tomorrow. I'm going to, like, I don't know what's, like, I'm, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow if I just don't get a proper night's sleep. And then after I thought that, yeah. then I just went to sleep and I slept the rest of the night. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, that's pretty interesting, man. That's pretty cool. At least you've got stuff happening to you, man. The yeah, only thing that happens to me is uh, I, I fall asleep with my headphones on and then I wake up at uh, two in the morning because my headphones are hurting my ears. Um, and then I wake up again at six in the morning. <laughs> nothing's, nothing's happening on my side. <laughs> Man, just try try and do one of the techniques, the, the, the out-of-body techniques, visualizations or the, you know, the rolling, the, the, the ladder the technique, technique or the, the roller that, yeah. technique or something. Just, or some, just try something like that just so, as you're falling asleep. That's what's... I mean, but then also then yeah. I got so excited, then I started doing it again, like every night since then, and uh, nothing's happened again. So I don't know what, I don't know what, but I also haven't even been waking up in the middle of the night. Because that's yeah. also another technique that they describe as the wake back to bed technique, where there is a technique yeah. you wake up in the middle of the night, you put your alarm on three o'clock in the morning, you wake up, stay awake for an hour, and then try and go back to bed and, and do a visualization. And, and then that's another, so yeah, but I haven't been waking up at three or four in the morning by myself anymore. Okay. So, yeah. All right, no, cool, man. At least, like I said, at least you've got some like stuff happening with you. All right, so yeah. as promised, uh, we're going to be chatting about Atlantis, probably a little bit about Lumeria as well today. Atlantis, I know, look, we, there's there's two guys in the past that have spoken about Atlantis, in my opinion, that have been of of note, which would be Plato. Obviously, he was the first to chat about Atlantis. Uh, he mentioned that in his uh, writings, the Critias and the, the Timesius, I think it was called, the other one. But then my favorite oak is Edgar Casey. Uh, with regards to Atlantis. I think uh, th there were a couple of similarities between the two. So maybe, uh, I'm not sure that the, the one that you were reading, was that more around Plato's um, Atlantis? Your no, I was, I was reading uh, Rudolf Steiner's. Um, uh, Rudolf Steiner, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. And I did, I did read Plato's one, but I mean, that was, I, I mean, it was so brief and it was so boring. Like it just... Yeah. Yeah, with, with Plato, the, the thing with Plato's Atlantis story, he didn't hear it firsthand it, it it came from an egyptian priest originally in the story about atlantis but he didn't hear it firsthand from the priest he actually heard it from his grandfather who heard it in turn from one of the diplomats uh, of athens who had heard it from a uh, from a priest 300 years prior yeah. so look what so it's not really firsthand stuff but uh, be that as it may the, the the things that he said were actually pretty interesting Atlantis apparently sank. So if you if you think Plato was around around about three hundred and ninety BC, around about uh, Atlantis sank nine thousand years prior to that. Which means you know we've always been going on about pre civilizations. Yeah, that there's a pre civilization, a building, a permanent building uh, civilization. This actually starts leaning now more towards the things that I believe. All right, so they sank nine thousand years ago. At that time. They were at war with Athens. Now I thought, but that's strange because Athens was only supposed to be like founded in, I don't know, 5,000 BC or something to that extent. 
So this is going back 4,000 years, even prior to that, when Athens was at war with, uh, with Atlantis. And Athens managed to push Atlantis back because I think they were invading. Now, if you think where Atlantis is and where Greece is, Greece is in the Mediterranean, which means Atlantis must have been pretty close. So I know they say it's through the Straits of Gibraltar. I think where uh, that's the Pillars of Heracles, where he apparently pushed the two mountains apart and created the Strait, or oh, Hercules. Now, it couldn't be too far beyond that. And in Plato's description of some, some of the animals, the exotic animals in Atlantis, one of the mentions is elephants. Where do you find abundant elephants in Africa? I mean, elephants are, are, are massive in Africa. So my opinion then is Atlantis must have been very close to um, the Mediterranean and very close to, one of the, to the African continent. The Atlantis itself was apparently supposed to be the size, uh, if you look at Edgar Cayce now, he's, he mentions this, it was the size of Libya and uh, Asia Minor. Now, if you compare the two, if you put the two together, it's bigger than Australia. I know he says it's an island, but Australia is not an island, dude. That's like a continent. And apparently it, it experienced quite a few upheavals and uh, floods and, you know, it sank. And then, so there, there are still a few islands that are around that I think were origins Atlantis originally, but uh, I think most of the stuff has sunk. Uh, it's definitely in the Atlantis, that's uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, that's for sure, because the Atlantic Ocean was named after the first king of Atlantis, which was Atlas. He was the son of Poseidon, and Atlantis was obviously named after him as well. So I think there's a lot of truth to the story, William. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think it's a myth, because Edgar Cayce, when he came in now and started talking about Okay, let's talk a bit about Edgar Casey. Let's introduce him a little bit. Edgar Casey was born in 1877 in Kentucky. He was, uh, I, I'm not going to say lazy. He was probably like me at school. He just didn't focus. His focus was cuck at school. And um, he was, his grades weren't fantastic. And the teachers used to complain about him, about him to his parents. And I think at the age of nine, he saw his grandfather, the ghost of his grandfather, and then a little bit later on in his life, he saw, he was walking around in the woods and he saw apparently a woman with wings, which was uh, an angel for him. Okay. And this angel said that they would help him whenever he needed it. Now, when he was at, at home and his grades were so cuck, his dad, um, they were sitting on the chair and his dad pushed him off a chair. And when he landed on the floor, he actually heard the voice of the woman say to him, go to sleep and we will help you. So his dad obviously left and um, he closed the book and he went to sleep on his book. He actually put his head down on the book and he went to sleep. And when he woke up, he and his dad came back. His dad questioned him about the, the book and he actually knew everything that was in the book. So, that, I mean, that's, that's absolutely phenomenal. He, could, he said he could see every page in the book without even opening it. And this is actually how he studied for the rest of his life. He did this. This was a technique he used. And how amazing is that? Shit, I want to be a doctor, dude. I'm going to go and buy a couple of books, go and sleep on it. <laughs> so can you, can you, can you <laughs> go and sleep. Like six books at a time? Yeah. Jeez, can you imagine? I'd save myself so much money. But uh, anyway, so he then, you know, that's about the, when he was young, that's about the most that it gets to. Uh, nothing really much happens until he starts his working career. And I know he develops uh, quite a bad uh, case of laryngitis where he can't talk. It's like so, so bad that he can't talk. Um, and, but he manages to 
uh, I think he went under hypnosis with one of a, a friend of his there when he went under hypnosis. And this subconscious being came through and said to the uh, hypnotherapist, listen, tell him this is what he needs to do to fix his throat, this, that, and next thing. And then when he woke up, he said, oh, by the way, you told me to tell you this is how you fix your throat. And he's like, what? He said, yeah, you must do this. So he did it and it worked. And it, it kind of grew from there. So he, this is why he was called the sleeping prophet because he would put himself into, later on in life, he'd put himself into a self-hypnotized self state. So yeah, he used to do, he used to do his healings uh, with this uh, entity that used to come through. And the, and, the, and the cool thing was people would actually write to him later on. They would write to him and say, hey, listen, can you please cure this, that next thing? And then he would be able to cure them through their letters because obviously it was something that they had written down. So it's something from them that he was able to use. In the beginning, I thought, I don't know, this doesn't sound right, but the, it, it, there were so many reports of people that came through to say all the stuff that he did for them healed them. And the great thing about it was he never, in his entire life, he never charged for any of his readings. It was always free. So for the healing, it was free because he was a very devout Christian. And he was actually a Sunday school teacher. Besides being a photographer later on in life, he was a Sunday school teacher. So he was very devout. And something happened uh, later on in, in one of his sessions that kind of shocked him because the, the story of Atlantis came up. And he, I think he, he read something like 14,000 readings. And Atlantis came up and he spoke about reincarnation or the entity, I can't say he, let's say the entity that was in him spoke about reincarnation and spoke about ancient civilizations. Now, as a Christian, he didn't believe that stuff. So when he came out of it and the people that had made documents and notes of it, they said to him, oh, so you were speaking to us about uh, your reincarnation and this, that next thing and the ancient civilization. And he was like, what? No, it can't be. So he was very dubious of whatever this thing that was talking. He was very worried. He actually lost, I think, his second child to some disease because he wasn't able, he didn't cure. I think he was too worried to take on whatever this entity was saying to believe. I think he got too worried in case he, he, in case he committed murder of some sorts, like he would give somebody information and say, okay, you need to do this, that next thing. And this person dies. Then he's got murder on his shoulders. And he was like terrified of that. Absolutely terrified of that. But when his wife got cancer, he managed to do this whole thing again. And he came through, the, the entity came through and told him how to heal his uh, wife, which he did and it worked. This thing that was in him obviously knew what it was doing and knew the past and was, it was true. The stuff that was going on in his life and the things he was doing was actually true. So now if we go back to Atlantis with his start of his stories, I find it fascinating because one of the things that he mentions is, you know, okay, you know that there were two continents, extra continents, Lumeria as well, and Atlantis. Now, Lumeria was uh, situated in the Pacific. That there was something like 500,000 years ago, Lumeria came into, uh, the Lumerians were running around on that, on that uh, continent. The Atlanteans only came in 250,000 years ago. So Lumeria was there way before Atlantis. Now, in Lumeria, there are, they, they talk about giants that exist in, uh, um, on Lumeria. Giants had six fingers, six toes. Um, they range between 10, 12 feet, which is between three and four meters in height. Now, where else do we see that? 
If you go to the giants of Goth in the Bible, uh, which Goliath was one of them, Goliath was said to have six fingers and six toes. There are giants throughout the Pacific Rim where you've got these depictions on walls, wall carvings, uh, six, uh, six toes and six, fing uh, six fingers. This is not just a story, dude. There's something there. And I don't think this is a made up story. I think there is truth to this. Now, the, the, what I was saying about Atlantis now. So apparently there were these spirit beings that came through to Atlantis and they took on physical form, but they got trapped in physical form. And they were androgynous. Do you know what androgynous is? Yeah, it's like when you male, both yeah. sexes in one. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Aristocratic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the apparently people at that time, so sex wasn't a wasn't a thing. I mean, when you decided to have your children, you would just make it happen. It was later on when the sons of there, there were two two factions on Atlantis. There's a group called the Sons of Balal and another group called the Children of, of the One, the Law of One, the Children of the Law of One, Okay, which I think we've actually heard the stories about the Law of One. There's, there's, a, there's a whole big thing, which we'll do another podcast on that. But the Children of Balal, they, the Balal is actually a, a, a word in, uh, in Hebrew, which means evil. Do you remember we actually, the last podcast, we spoke about the dude about his, with his donkey. He was an evil prophet. Yeah. Yeah, his name was Bilal. So he was the, the wicked prophet. So anyway, these sons were the wicked sons, uh, and they were technology-driven. Atlantis, apparently, in those days, had this massive crystal, which they got from uh, Lumeria, and it uh, controlled everything in the city. Everything, from electricity, because apparently they had electricity very similar to what we have currently today, but I think it was more on what Nikola Tesla had, uh, had brought through in his times, you know, with free electricity. Uh, they were using crystals for that. They were using crystals to to literally for everything, for uh, for travel. They were able to move around in in these craft. Uh, this is also the reasons why you'll see these similar similar cultures around the world because they were they were easily able to get to the different continents and mix culturally. But the sons of the the, the technology sons, the sons of Bilal, they decided to stuff around and they manipulate they manipulated the weather. Like what they're doing today with harp in America, they stuffed around so much that it caused massive storms, and this is actually what landed up flooding Atlantis. Now the androgyny thing. Just going back to that quickly, they eventually separated and they became male and female. Now I find that interesting because in the Bible, if you look at Adam and Eve, Adam was alone. Adam was on his own for many, many hundreds of years, a thousand years is a day in God's in God's workings, but it could be a lot longer. But anyway, so he was alone for hundreds of years. I know, and you know, as a male, when you hit the age of 11 through to probably the age of about 40, procreation is quite a, a relevant thing. So you are wanting to have sex often, especially when you're young. <laughs> it's just yeah. one, of those, it's one of those natural tendencies. You kind of politely or, or like PC say that you're just horny all the time. Yeah, you're just horny all the time, yeah. I don't want to say, but yeah. <laughs> now, Adam must have been horny all the time. Dude. Can you imagine living 300, 300 years and you ever had a woman? Hey? He said ends at 40. <laughs> <laughs> no, but remember, he lived for 900 years. So I'm trying to put it into context. <laughs> so 300 years in, he's like, geez, like, I'm, and then obviously 
God felt sorry for him and said, hey, no, all right, uh, let's make a partner for you. And then uh, Eve came but from is him. Busy, is he busy just dry humping trees in the garden? Like he's yeah. just walking around. <laughs> well, it, apparently rocks. they tested out a couple of uh, tested out a couple of the things, and none of them none of them were suitable. So <laughs> they, they landed up pulling. Uh, <laughs> Gee, that's pulling nice, Eve from him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's the androgyny thing. I think Adam was actually androgynous, and um, Eve was pulled from him. Which is what it says in the Bible. Eve came from him. Although it says it's a rib, I think they got that a bit of a, a misunderstanding. But yeah, he was androgynous. And there you go. That's how Eve popped around. Came from him. Mm. And if you look around the world, uh, even in the in the Hindu stuff and the Sumerian things, uh, there's always depictions of people with a woman face and man face on, on one body, four arms, four legs. You know what I mean? So there's there's depictions all around the world of this stuff, and I find it fascinating, dude. Seriously. So honestly, Atlantis existed. I think it uh, without a doubt. I know. Look, I know Atlantis was huge with gold and silver, and there was something called Arikolke or some 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 weird. It was a zinc copper mix, which had plenty of this apparently. And this they used to build these cities out of these things. Uh, I know if you if you look at the Quran, they mentions it mentions about some city that actually is some lost city that's buried in the desert somewhere. Uh, that might be more towards the Lumerian side of things, though. But um, hey, I find it fascinating. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, especially with uh, Edgar Casey. I mean, with his readings and the things that have come through and his prophecies uh, that he's had, he actually said, talking about Atlantis again, the the, the Hall of Records. There's two Hall of Records that have been. That two, they were taken from Atlantis before they sunk, before it sunk. Um, one uh, one set of records was in the Yucatan, in uh, sent to South America, and the other was sent to Egypt. And it's apparently under the Great Pyramid or between the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx. Apparently, there's a whole of records there. Or under the Sphinx pause. Yeah. The whole thing about under yeah. the Sphinx pause. They don't, they don't want to like excavate there now. The, the guy that, main guy that is in charge of all of that in Egypt won't let anybody. Underneath the Sphinx paws, even though there's all this what do you call it, evidence or whatever to show that there is something under the Sphinx paws and they want to excavate, but they will not be allowed to. Yeah, I think that's silly. I mean, if there's something there, just get it out, man, and let's show everybody what is there. Yeah, no, you know what I mean. Yeah, and and then obviously from from there, I mean, there's a lot of uh, uh, theories and stories. So I don't know if you remember the Olmecs, the Olmecs also in South America, they were like a mixed race because they found a lot of artifacts that had sort of African origin, Asian origin. But apparently the Olmecs were there prior to the Mayans, which were there prior to the Aztecs. So it, it's, it goes way back. So I think uh, remnants of Atlantis managed to land up in South America. And this is also why you had all these, these pyramids that were being built and similar things around the world. I do think remnants landed up in South America. I think remnants landed up in Egypt and some around uh, Asia. And then obviously the remnants from Lumeria came in from, uh, were coming in through from India and all those other places. So I definitely think these two continents existed, and I definitely think we had our origins more than likely coming in from this side, from these, from these two. That's my opinion. Yeah. And Rudolf Steiner, what does he have to say about it now? But so Rudolf Steiner, um, it's quite interesting because look, in the modern mystery school that I'm like initiative of, they actually have a class called the 12 root races, which they talk about Lemuria and, and, and Atlantis and, and a lot of other root races, which is really awesome. 
that class is actually open for the public. You don't actually even have to be an initiate to go and take that class. So you could take it, but I'm not going to say anything that's in that class because obviously, you know, I pay money to do it. And I mean, if I just come here and just blurt it out on the internet for free, that's yeah, of course. The, the karma that I'll probably get from that. So <laughs> but anyway, but the thing was that with um, Rudolf Steiner's, because uh, Rudolf Steiner, anyway, he he is an he he's um, a the- theosophist and also he's a high initiate of uh, Rosicrucianism. Or and I'm, obviously I'm sure other things he's been initi- initiated in as well. And also when he starts off in the book, he actually says he actually he can't go so far as saying everything because he says if you if you're an initiative, you would understand like why this is so that you you that they can't just give out all the information. And I, and I mean it's obviously mm-hmm. if you know you have to. And I'll talk a bit about that while we go on. But the but he says that what is written in theosophy is that what he can talk about. And obviously, I think he talks about it because it was close as what you know he has learned as an initiative of a, a mystery schools. Okay, so basically, what he says about okay, so there was the Lemurians. Oh yes, and also what I also find is fascinating is that you speak to the New Age guys, and they're all like, "Yeah, no, I had my classic records read, and I'm from Lemuria, <laughs> and like I was in the ships, <laughs> and I went and I was getting crystals out of the." out of the, the, the walls and like, you know, I was in charge of like the crystals and the airships and then, you know, but like, I don't know when you, in, in, in you know, Rita Stein is fine and, and like other sources that you find that actually Lemuria, I mean, what I found in my research is that they actually were very primitive, basic people, but they, they were basically the first root race. And in, and like in the mystery school, the modern mystery school I've got is these 12 root races and Rita Stein talks about seven root races. And, the, the the Lemuria was the first root race, apparently, to these, you know, like, as I say, discernment, like, you know, with, there's so much information out there, you just got to, you know, we, we're not saying that this is true or whatever, it's just that you've got to take your sermon and judge for yourself about your own perception. Yeah. But he, he said that the root race, Lemuria was the, fir- the first root race. And basically, the veil with humans then, there was no veil. So, like, you know, like you, people could communicate with spirits. They could communicate with the rocks, the trees, the earth. Like mm. everything was there. There was no will, and there was no thought. Humans did not have any thought then. It wasn't developed yet in their in their consciousness. Everything was just guided by the the will of the the plants, the animals, the and these and higher beings. Um, and also, everything was te- uh, telepathic. And um, and they could make certain noises just to describe pain or like happiness or whatever, but most of it was just like a thought transfer of images and stuff like that. And everything was based on a memory of some sort, but not in the, it says it's got, it must be confused with an instinct as like animals, but it was like some memory, which, um, yeah, like he, he doesn't really go into much about how the memory works or whatever, but it's, it's, um, you know, I don't know if it's, it's guarded from where they came from or I don't know, but, but some kind of instinct, but he says it's not as like animal instinct is. And he says that, uh, so that, and, and, and the children had to be hardened, like in the community, like through, they had to go through severe, um, like schools of pain and, and endurance and, um, and like kind of suffering to toughen them up because they weren't actually helpful in, in the, in the community or whatever. Or if they could not face extreme danger and pain, and uh, and the and the women were also like hardened in a similar sort of way, but 
Um, and then he then he says that that evil actually came from women because once their consciousness started developing, and this is like in the third root race, so it was that became Atlantis after the Lemur Atlanteans came from the Lemurians, and then there mm -hmm. the the consciousness started developing a, a little bit further, and they started uh, getting they started getting the, the into their consciousness thought. So the, the the concept of thought or or planning or like um, logic only started really developing in the in the third uh, subred race from the Atlanteans was the the Mamohals the Mamohals and as in just to, just sorry just to tell you where Stein is getting this information he's getting it from the Akashic records mm -hmm. which um, he says that and and he actually has a book where he describes how to access the Akashic records how to get there which. Excited to read, but it's funny about the Akashic records because a lot of the new age people they're all like, Yeah, the Akashic records, like you know, like, um, you know, I can do it and whatever and 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 whatnot. But then in some mystery schools, they say that that's a lot of bullshit. There's no way, and it is not a chance you can access the Akashic records. There's no way of getting yeah. that information, it's like yeah. banned. There's no way, so that they, they, but I don't know which is right or which is wrong, but maybe if they, mm. if they can't and they're accessing some kind of form of information somewhere, maybe it's not their Akashic records and something else. But anyway, Ruth Steiner describes it as the Akashic records. Also, another interesting thing about Ruth Steiner, he actually, he actually started the Waldorf School. I was actually went to a Waldorf School. After, mm. like, I mean, I got expelled from two schools, and that was the only school that would accept <laughs> the end. And it was always sort of like this, like a school for like, um, Special kids. Special kids. <laughs> Special I mean, needs. <laughs> it, it's like a German, it's, it's a German school. I, well, no, they don't speak German, but it's like, it's, it's, it's just a free thinking school. He, he developed it and. Um, like a holistic thoughts, physical, yeah. mental, spiritual, playful. Yes. But I mean, we did a lot of science and a lot of, but I mean, you, you know, we mm. do science for like most of the day instead of like one subject yeah. for like a term. And then we do math for most of yeah. the most of the day for like another term and we do and we you know keep on changing like that apparently uh, the waldorf schools will you can tell me this because you were there but apparently the waldorf schools um they there was supposed to be a balance like with normal schools you go in you start at half past seven in joburg if you're in joburg and Durban, i think it's probably eight o'clock but you start at half past seven you finish at half past one you have your two breaks in between of 15 minutes each you get schlepped off to each class. Yeah, you're doing math, then you're doing science, then you're doing biology, then you're doing English, then you're doing Afrikaans, then the home economics, whatever it is what you're doing. And you would do that day in and day out. But the world of schools, apparently, they add in a lot of creative um, creativity. So you've got like sort of art things that you're doing and you're yes, playing yeah, musical lot, instruments. Lot, yeah, and you're doing all, and you're music. kind of getting your, yeah. A okay. lot of like, right. I mean, we even had a juggling class. We learned how to juggle and like a lot of like, kind of arts and crafts stuff yeah there was a lot of okay. that and also we wore civvies cool. which is quite cool <laughs> <All right>. and, um <laughs> anyway sorry geez, civvies, that, civvies that for dress. those who don't know is actually uh your code of code of dress like most of our schools in south africa you've got to wear uniform uh civvies is just like your normal t-shirt pants and, pants and tankies sneakers yeah <laughs> yeah but um sorry i digress so much but anyway so then the what was interesting about the Atlantis that Rurostan says is that they had, they, um, they, they could harness the energy from plants, especially from seeds, because like seeds have a special 
life force energy inside them to make them obviously blossom and grow and turn into a tree or a flower or whatever the bush or whatever so that they, they could actually harness that energy and they would use that energy in like they, that was their main source of energy even to and they he said that they had airships and they would power the airships with this energy from the life force of seeds and plants which we've lost that um ability now and that's why we, we learned how to make fire and now that's what, where our all of our energy comes from is a heat source so um and also what he said is that 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 people had such an understanding of the nature behind everything that they didn't have to have like a math or a science to like understand how much a block of uh, rock, how heavy it was or how, how much another block of rock would be able to hold it or whatever. They could just see it innately in the actual intrinsic like workings of it. Like, like it's almost like a, a knowing that they could see like what was going on in this like structure and everything that it would know how much that would be able to hold or how much a branch how much pressure a branch would take to break it. They wouldn't have to calculate that. They could just see it innately in the actual forces of what was holding it together, like how much it could actually weigh. So they didn't have to have all of that um, science and math to work it out. It was just a, a, like a knowledge they could just gain by by just knowing what's going on. So look, I know the Kashyyyk Records is supposed to be, according to Edgar Casey, because his, uh, his entity, the one that was doing all the subconscious talking, also got his information from the Kashyyyk Records. Apparently, it's 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 actually in the dream world, the subconscious world, uh, and that everything in the universe is connected in the subconscious world. Everything, everything that has some sort of thought, is connected in the subconscious world, and this is why you know we we are able to move around free, actually move around freely in the in the dream world, and you're able to do anything and see anything and talk to anything. You're going to talk to your dog. Your your dog can probably chat to you in the dream world. <laughs> so. You might think it's dreaming, but I, th I think that on the subconscious level, everything is connected on the dream world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, quite interesting. So the 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 Manus, the Manus was the next sub race, along with the Aryans, and this is where so the Manus. The, that sounds Polynesian. Is that like more? Is that like where the uh, the Samoans and the Tongans and the you know when that when it was all one. Group, I think it was, like but the, that's what the, that's that's what they that's what they say that the 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 Lemurians actually look like. They okay. look like these like people that you From know like, like tattoos and like you know like a bit of a darker mm. complexion and and and, and the Maoris, like, yeah. So okay, um, so the Manus were the uh, the next uh, sub root race, and that's where fire and religion. This is where the veil started like leaving, and this is where they became completely like logical. And uh, and and thought, their organ of thought like grew to such a size that that uh, their veil wasn't so thin anymore, and then they they didn't have all their psychic abilities, and it was only a few that actually had that, and those would become like the people that were the rulers of the the world, because everybody had to find out everything about Earth and their experience just through the five senses, so they had to piece everything together just through their five senses, and they didn't have this communication from other higher beings guiding them and directing them. And how the world worked in that, and before that, everybody knew that there was a uh, uh, that there was a, a supreme force that governed everything in in the world. And then when they lost that, the thing is also because they had they became they had such free will now that they they weren't actually allowed to know anything about the mysteries. 
until they actually acknowledged that there was a supreme force guiding everything behind that, so that they were left to figure it all out with their five senses until they came to that knowledge. And then that's only when they would be able to be accepted into mystery schools, because the mystery schools started in the nineties. Because when when you were ready, you could actually get initiated, which meant that you could actually what they call intercourse with the gods. So that's when you would be able to receive the information from other entities, higher, uh, you know, dimensional entities that weren't of the earthbound nature to get, you know, higher information. And that's the the mystery schools and that's where the priests came from and everything that would guide humanity further. Yeah. So that's, I thought that was, that was quite interesting. And um, that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, well, sorry, man, that makes quite a lot of sense if you're going back biblical things. Now, now let's, let's say prior to the Manu, there were, there was another group which were, Let's put it in nice words. They were dwarf. They 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 they're not on the same. Oh, I shouldn't say dwarf. That's that's the wrong word. Um, they were not on the same sort of intellect as the as the later guys. The guys when the veil was lifted. Now, doesn't that sound very very similar to when Adam and Eve were running around in the Garden of Eden? Yes, they so actually so. didn't know. They didn't actually know anything about what was going on at that time. It was only the veil was lifted later when she apparently ate the apple. Well, I mean, the veil was closed. They closed. Yes, it. and then it got. So, yeah. so that's 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 also so that's what also Rusan was saying is that, that actually the evil came from women because okay. they um <laughs> because their imaginative uh, experience was more stronger than men because men just led with will and a woman made led with the imagination and then they became so like in love with this imagination that everything that was that they 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 got attracted to or like felt because also feelings started becoming more intense and then what they felt that they uh, enjoyed or liked or got attracted to, that was good. And anything other than that was evil. So it was actually, the, the, the concept of good and evil was actually born within women that brought it to, to society. And that's also what I find interesting because that's also in the Bible. Like Ad, yeah. Eve ate the apple. And they <laughs> <it up> for <laughs> us. <laughs> so the apple, actually, the apple sounds like, which I've always believed, sounds like some sort of information. So, so she didn't eat an apple, obviously. I mean, that's just a stupid thing. That's just a yeah. She, um, get, she you know, got that, she, that knowledge. She, or that, she that, took that. something in, so which is knowledge and, and understanding, and then she went and passed it to to Adam, and then he kind of, and that's why the eyes were open because they they started understanding uh, the world around them, where previously they didn't. Yeah, in, in the way, in, 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 in yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit hard to explain, but I, I think that yeah, that's that's uh, you know that's very possible. Where the idea of Adam and Eve came from, just a yeah, very short so, version of it. Yeah, exactly. And then um, what also I find interesting is he goes on a lot about the the absolute significance of like the ma- masculine and feminine energy, like how how it's both very divine in its own way, and like actually nothing in nature or humanity can't work without the balance of it. And um, and when I say balance, it doesn't mean like fifty fifty percent. Like with us. Like apparently the soul is a 50-50%, like it's a as you want to say androgynous or whatever, but like, but then when you're in a in a in a body, it's like 70 if you're in a male body, 70% male and 30% female. So that's the balance. When you talk about balance, mm-hmm. not 50-50. So, but it's all of this in nature has to have this right balance. That's why it's just so irritating nowadays with this whole concept of like um you know you know what i'm talking about like with uh, yeah 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 yeah. Sure. it's like it's so perverted it's just all about like you know who you want to bone that's the preference of what you are now um 
so like and, and then actually have an actually an understanding of like how important the, the masculine and feminine energy together is in this world and how it actually is such an important thing about guarding all forces in nature and everything and now we've come with this perverted idea of it and just fuck it all up does does he mention anything about the endogenous uh, beings does yes he, so, so he does he does he says that before with with the 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 um lemurians it actually yeah. started yes with androgyny it was they were um an, okay. androgyny okay. beings. yeah that's, that's right they just start like that and then obviously it's so weird because it says that the bodies were we were actually plastic and then they're the moon, the moon came from the earth and the sun came from the earth. I mean, I don't know how that works or like what kind of, I mean, because also, also, also what's very important is it actually starts off with the book. He says that everybody like goes, you know, everybody that's doing archaeology and everything and trying to find out things, we do it all with our five senses. And he says it only can take us a certain amount and it, and it's, and it's actually quite useless because, well, not useless, but he says it's like, it only can take us so far. But Limited. We want to really know the truth, and I've said this before on another program before you read this book, is that you you have to go into the divine and get the answers from like beyond the veil and the Kashuk records and whatever. And that's, but then he also says he says, but you must be careful because it is not always correct. He says that he says it's not always correct. Um, getting that information from outside of our normal realms of consciousness, but it is more correct and more accurate than what we are trying to do with our five senses, trying to figure out you know what happened who built the pyramids who built that you know he says that it is more accurate than that but you must be careful because it's not always so accurate and i also find that because when i see psychics in that you know a lot of the time like you know a lot of the stuff they tell me doesn't happen or doesn't come true or whatever but you know some stuff is correct and so it's like also like how you interpret it that like how the information comes through or whatever it's uh you know you can distort it from however you know your upbringing or how you interpret i don't know if it comes in pictures or whatever you know you can interpret it badly also how you're feeling that day i mean there could be so many variations of how you could get distorted that information but he does say that everybody says that it's it, it, it we mustn't you must be careful because it cannot it might not be completely true but it is more reliable than how we're getting the information with how we're doing it scientifically so that so then so then he goes on about the, the moon coming from the earth and the sun coming from the earth. So I don't know how that is possible or whatever, or, or how he interpreted it from reading the cash records or whatever. But the beans were on earth before there was a moon. And yeah, uh, yeah I heard that story. And I also I've heard, heard like stories of that and like you know, mm. paintings of caves and stuff. Only the you know, there was no moons and these whole stories of that before the moon came. And he says that the, our bodies were in like a plastic form. They were very moldable and like, and it was very different for Jordan. I don't know what he means by plastic, but also, I mean, he probably wrote that book in German and now they've translated it into English. There could be a loss there or something. And we were all androgynous. It was males, uh, female, completely like as as one. And then we slowly started developing like the need to, and I, I can't remember how he says it, but to actually physically have to be with another person to, to make another being and, um, and yeah, so 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 it's so we evolved. Yeah, I think um, if I if I remember um, with Edgar Casey said it was a bit of a punishment because coming from spiritual beings, we are uh, one of our goals on Earth, and the reason why we're here because obviously reincarnation is one uh, important part of his uh, of his beliefs, or especially from the subconscious uh, entity. 
is that reincarnation is, uh, exists and that we have a contract as human beings to come to earth in the physical form to experience the physical issues and and pleasures and to work through and to work through certain karmas if that makes sense karma yeah. wasn't the word that he used but uh, to work through certain projects and to to increase your understanding and your and your learnings because remember the third dimension that which is where we are now is one of the lower dimensions eh? yeah because from here you then move up to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and, and it keeps going up but we here we under a contract and we had to learn and we you know once you've learned what you need to learn then you'll move on but if you haven't you come back and you keep coming back until you've actually learned what you need to learn so i think you've got to experience you've got to experience the life that you're in uh with with all the stuff that you've got to do and i don't think it's a, a case of just learn this and then you're done i think there's a lot of things that we have to do and we're under contract to do it in these physical forms before we move on yeah Mm. Yeah, sure, but this man. is also why I love I love uh, Casey because uh, he's clairvoyant stuff, seeing things in the future. Which look, we will definitely have a, a podcast later with Edgar Casey's other stuff. But with re, with regarding to Atlantis, the things that he was saying were so specific. And although this the 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 scientific community have written it off as a it's just a a myth, like we said in the previous podcast, you know, Troy was a myth. Until they figured it out, until they found Troy. Everything that they think of myths are actually true stories. And we've discussed this as well about ancient civilizations or pre-civilizations that, that had technologies that were way beyond um, what your Bronze Age tools were guys were using. I mean, you know what I mean? You guys were using copper axes and wooden this and ivory handles with that and but yet there were buildings there that we can't even replicate today with the technology that we had. Yeah, exactly. But you know um, I mean, so there's ancient stuff that obviously from Lumeria, obviously, and, and it's depicted all around the world. All around. Yeah, yeah and also it's funny with the Plato thing, with because I also read that book that the the, the priest and whatever, but the, and the priest came to that guy that um I think it was Plato's uncle or whatever. And um he said to the priest said, you know, you guys are like children because you actually don't know anything about your existence yeah. because there's been so many more existence before this that it just keeps on getting ex extinguished by, by, by yeah. cataclysms of fire, water and whatever. And it keeps on mm -hmm. happening over and over again. And that's why we, we keep on coming out like children because we can never, ever know what is really going on or what's in our past or whatever. And uh, and it's going to keep on happening. This is what the priest said. This is in Plato's writing, and uh, and that's and then he starts talking about Atlantis, how that sunk and whatever. So yeah, it's just uh, quite unfortunate that we we just keep on getting getting. Well, if, if you if if you look at Edgar, okay, so Edgar Casey says that maybe it was the same with Rural Steiner that Lumeria existed about five hundred thousand BC, roundabout. And Atlantis only came into being about 250,000 BC. So that was 250,000 years. And Lumeria was uh, operational yeah, and running that's, around. That's what uh, Rudolf Stein also said. He said the Lumerians were around even when the crust of the earth wasn't even settled yet. They were, and it wasn't even hardened properly. That's how long ago they were. And Does it say where they came from, the Lumerians? Because I'm assuming they didn't come from earth. I'm assuming they must have been some sort of uh, entity from outside of the world, no, it doesn't, outside doesn't of earth. Say it. No, it doesn't say it, no. That would be interesting to find that out. Because I know that uh, uh, Edgar Casey says, according to the Casey records that, uh, where he was or whatever, 
um, that the beings that landed up coming into Atlantis were spirit beings, and they and they were not from Earth. Mm. They, they came from outside their the origins. Mm. So yeah, look, obviously that there could be debated, but we know as we know, Gobekli Tepe, that's already discovered about ten thousand BC. Uh, we know that there was some sort of deluge or um, some massive issue that happened, which was the Younger Dryas. That was 12,500 BC, which is when Atlantis apparently is supposed to have sunk. So I don't know. There's there's a there's a lot to, there's a lot to to kind of take in. Different stories about Atlantis, kind of, uh, but but similar in a way. There's a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences. So I think you're just going to have to, when you're reading it, just make up your own mind and. And I think what you think might be is, uh, but we'll we'll find we'll find out because Edgar Casey says soon we'll find out what the truth is. Once we find those uh, horror records, the ones in Egypt, and once we find the ones in the Yucatan, um, we will then understand a lot more of what's going on. on our 2020, 2024, baby. Twenty twenty four, man. We're gonna. It's gonna happen. Gonna... Come on. <laughs> Ho hopefully, man, because you know every year we're waiting for this shit to come through. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> I remember all the oaks at at, uh, at the year two thousand were like all gathered around their computers waiting for the whole uh, <laughs> Y two K. <laughs> yeah, and then that didn't happen, and then everybody stood around the campfire waiting for the end of the world at twenty twelve. Remember twenty fifth of December. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing happened there. I'm so, but waiting. maybe it did. We just actually all moved on to the next dimension. Yeah, I know. Sure. You know I mean, they all got wiped out. I mean, just shifted into the. Yeah, exactly. Because because <laughs> Edgar Casey does seem to say that we are people with amnesia. We uh, <laughs> we we've completely forgotten everything of our past. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. yeah, cool, Leah. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah, I like about. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, guys. And thanks again for listening. Um, again, you can find us on. Um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Podbean and Castbox. There's a plenty of them that you can find us on. And thank you for supporting us and uh, and listening. And um, yeah, we'll we'll chat again next week. We'll have a fantastic week, and we'll see you then next week. Thank you, man. Cheers, Dave.